Now, I want you to follow me today very carefully in the Scripture as we talk about the power of God's presence. The power of God's presence. I want to take you to the book of Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2. And as we talked about the group that gathered to pray, and, and as on Mother's Day, we talked about Mary, the mother of Jesus, being there, and the other women, and the men, and the women, and the mother of Jesus, began to pray that God would take over now and move into the next chapter of history, and that that would be the coming of the promised one that from the beginning of time, it was promised that the day would come that we're going to talk about right now. We call it the day of Pentecost, but let's hold that as to what does that mean for just a minute, and let me read you the text. From Acts chapter 2, Acts written by Luke, a physician, a disciple of the Lord, Acts, the book that speaks of the acts of the church, the body of Christ, the family of God, what it was to be, how it was going to function, where would it get its strength from, where would it get its message, what would, where would they find the purpose of existing as individual believers, that that would be, again, to be answered as the church would come into existence that the Lord said to Peter, upon this rock, I'll build my church. And that word is introduced that it would be the bride of Christ, the body of Christ, the family of God. But now much more has to be written because people then were just like they are now. What is a church? What is that supposed to be like? So let me read to you from verse 1 and we will read six verses beginning with the first verse. And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. Now, this is the group of believers. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all of the house where they were sitting and there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as of fire, and it sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. And there were dwelling at Jerusalem Jews, devout men out of every nation under heaven, now, when this was noised abroad, the multitude came together and were confounded because that every man heard them speak in his own language. The miracle of tongues on the day of Pentecost. One of the most traumatic days of all of history is the day that we're going to talk about for just a few minutes. It was on that day that the Holy Spirit was invited to come and move into history and become the power 
of the body of believers, which would be called and was called a church. And out of heaven came the Holy Spirit that brought not only power to the church, but the Holy Spirit brought purpose to the church. The power used for wrong things can make it irrelevant to its importance. But when you put purpose with power and those two become one, then great and mighty things began to happen. Now, I want to remind you back in Matthew 16, chapter, verse 18, the Lord said, and let me just quote it as it is written, and I say unto you, Jesus speaking, you are Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. What's the it? My church. I have a question for you early in the sermon. Why have the churches become so ineffective today when there's so many of them? Because most churches are the members' church instead of his church. And we pick a church that we want to make it like I want it to be church rather than what God wants. And it loses its power. You see, the church had already received throughout all the Old Testament the law, the Ten Commandments, the thou shalts and the thou shalt not. And the law had come through the Old Testament. Now the Holy Spirit is going to come through the New Testament. The Holy Spirit that helped write the law will now come alive into the church and the church will be able to accomplish because of the power that it now has of the Holy Spirit to do what a church is supposed to do. Does that make sense to you? Do you understand how all of this goes all the way back to creation? In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Then what does it say? And then the Spirit of God moved. What Spirit? The Holy Spirit. Let me ask you a question, nature lovers. Do you think God did a pretty good job through the Holy Spirit in creating the heavens and the earth? Do you have any suggestions for anything that he's created that you say, I think your colors were a little off there. I think that I'm, I, you know, I think I could have made a more beautiful sunsets than you do. And as I drive through the spring and I come to a church in Houston, I see all of the flowers of all the colors. And Lord, I need to talk to you about that. I think you're a little confused about the way you made. So I think not. I think we would say, right, especially when you get a grandbaby, God is an awesome creator. He just does everything right. That Holy Spirit that was involved in the creation of the world wants to come and make the church into what the church is supposed to be. Like a bride adorned for her husband. To make it beautiful, effective, influential, 
and life-changing. The Holy Spirit that provided the law provides the power to keep the laws, the Word of God. That same Spirit that gave the laws comes to allow us to have the strength to overcome temptation that is destroying all of those around us that have not God in their life. They're totally helpless. We sit and we watch the news and we say, I don't understand how that guy could do what he did with all the money that man makes, with all the influence that man has. I don't understand why he's in such a mess. And the same thing is true about the women. I don't understand with her beauty, with her influence, with who she's married to, with all the money that that woman's got. I don't understand why her life is in such a mess. You know why? Because that's the way Satan wants it to be. And that's the way it is to all people that don't have one in them that's greater that's in the world. They fall literally like flies. To sum up the Bible real quickly, this book says all power is given to him in heaven and in earth. This book says you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit is come upon you. It also says the Lord giveth and the Lord taketh away. The same book that promises that the Holy Spirit will come to the church says, my spirit will not always strive with a man, nor with a church. When the Holy Spirit is taken out of the church and the power is taken out of the church and the people of the church become exactly like the people of the world, have no more power over sin, have no more strength in their marriages, have no more uh, power in rearing their children in the nurture and admonition of the Lord than the world, it all begins to crumble. But still, there's that still small voice that says, be still and know that I'm God. Understand I am waiting. I'm yearning. Whoever shall call upon my name, I will come in and I will solve the problem. But I've got to be invited and I have got to be welcomed in to the family, to your life personally, into the church, and oh yes, into the nation. In the book of Genesis, we see the Holy Spirit in creation. In the book of the Revelation, the last of the 66 books of the Bible, John is on the Isle of Patmos. And the last and final invitation that ever comes to humanity to have a new life and a new beginning is in the 22nd chapter, the last chapter of the Bible. The Spirit and the Bride says, come. The Holy Spirit and His Bride, the church, says, come and drink of the water of life freely. That Holy Spirit its presence from beginning to end. That is the 17th verse of the 22nd chapter of Revelation. And it says, and let him who thirsts come, and whosoever will, let him take of the water of life freely. Now the word Pentecost, Pentecost was an annual event. It was a, it was a feast by the Hebrews that took place 50 days after they began to bring their crops in. So it was a time of celebration. It was a time when they were being rewarded for the hard work that they had put in. And 
They celebrated the first fruits of their labor from sowing in the fields as the harvest was beginning to be reaped. The fruit was a reward for their work and for doing their work right. Now the day had come for the church to become what Jesus wanted it to be. At that time, it was to reach across the dividing lines that was keeping it from being what it ought to be. It was to reach across those lines and bring the body of Christ into one whereby that body could experience the comfort, the power, the love, the forgiveness that comes through the person of the Holy Spirit and the harvest that would come as a result of the Holy Spirit. Now, these disciples had been afraid. We've been reading about that, talking about that. They had become confused, and oh, yes, they had become ineffective. People weren't running to Jesus. They were running from Jesus. Then, it's true today, the same thing. People aren't pouring into churches today in America in order to get saved. Most of them are pouring into churches hoping that they can find a new social circle to get into that's a little bit better than the one that they're running away from. But that was never, ever, ever the intent of a church. There's not anything wrong with a Christian social and a Christian gathering, but that's not the church. The church has a different purpose from society. The church has been given its instructions by the Lord. Now, the time came on the day of Pentecost when everybody was ready to have a party and celebrate their harvest that God would use it to bring together believers who were going in many different directions and unite them in the priority of what the body of Christ was supposed to be. Now, listen, folks, if God saves people to take us to heaven, and that's what it's about, why aren't we gone? Why in the world would he leave us in this mess if the only reason he saved us was to give us that perfect life where there is no sin? We'd be out of here. God left us here because he wants to use us to bring our friends, our acquaintances, the people we work with, our neighbors, our classmates, you can go on with the list, to bring them into a position in some situation where they can hear that, yes, they're a sinner, but God loves sinners, died for sinners, rose for sinners, is coming back for saved sinners who have come to the cross and confessed their sins and asked Jesus to come into their life. And that's what it's all about. Now, let me tell you something. What God has called a church to do can only be done if it has the power of the Holy Spirit. If it doesn't, we're sounding brass and we're tinkling cymbals. We are fooling ourselves if we think that God is keeping a record up, up in heaven and he gives us blue stars and then a, a red one means that wasn't very good. You didn't do very good. 
And one of these days, I'm going to count all the blue stars. And one gold star is worth 10 blue stars. You know, you, you get one blue star when you come on Sunday, but you get a gold star if you come on Wednesday night. So if you come on Wednesday night, that substitutes for 10 misses on Sunday morning. <laughs> because not many people come on Wednesday night. That's only for the faithful few that have no friends. <laughs> and they have nothing that they're involved in other than church. And that's in the mind of the world. You know, I got too much to do. I can't go up there in the middle of the week. What in the world are you talking about? You know, there's a big question mark that hangs over my head and it hangs over your head. So that comforts me that we're in this together. Question number one is, who am I? Now, you ask that question. Don't ask who you are. I'll tell you who you are. No. Who are you? You ask that question. I've got to ask the question, who am I? You've got to ask the question, who are you? I very quickly can answer the question, who am I? I'm a sinner saved by grace. I'm a, I'm a child of God that's been bought with the price, and the price was the blood of my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And I am no longer my own. I am bought with a price. That's who I am. Anything else is not that material. Who are you? And another question is, who are my people? Who are my people? Who are your people? What group would you say, these are my people. They're my kind of people. Well, people have a lot of answers to that. Well, I could say, well, I'm a white male. You could say, well, I'm an African-American male. Uh, you, you could say, I'm a Latino. I'm an Indian. I'm a Jew. I'm a Christian. I'm a Muslim. I'm a Buddhist. I'm rich. I'm poor. I'm educated. I'm uneducated. I'm a Democrat. Don't you ever forget it. <laughs> and I'm a Republican. And don't you ever forget that. And don't you forget I'm an independent and I don't like either one of you. <laughs> and you see, when we decide who we are individually, get our own, buddy. Let's get our own. But who are you? My old life is dead. One day I was born again. And I'm now a child of the king. L.D. and Ruth Morgan were my parents on earth. But they only gave me temporary life, and that life will end. But I have been born again by the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm a child of God. I'm more than a sinner saved by grace. I am an heir of God, and you are too if you've been to the cross. Otherwise, you don't know who you are or who your people are. And because you don't know who you are or who your people are, you get involved in a lot of things you shouldn't get involved in. Because you say, well, these are my friends. I'm just doing what my friends do. And all my friends are doing this. And my church is going to be like all the other churches because they're the ones that are putting people in the seats, so I'm going to be like them. I just want to be like the other church. No, you don't be like the other church. You don't be like the other people. You want to be what he wants you to be. 
He says, come out from among them and be separate. What will, handle, what will solve the racial tension in the world, not only America, but in the whole world, is for all of us that are born again from whatever background we came physically to understand, I'm so glad I'm a part of the family of God. I've been bought with the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm an heir of God, and you are my brother, and you are my sister in Christ. We're family. We're family. We're family. Hear me. It is the coming of God in Christ that reconciles humanity by the power of the Holy Spirit. The only way our world will ever be reconciled is through the power of the Holy Spirit, not through a war, not through a color of skin, not because of pocketbooks or education or whatever. But when we become what only the Holy Spirit can make us become, we look at everything, not through the eyes of our culture, but through the eyes and the heart of our God who came and died on a cross and paid for our sins and forgave us and forgot of the past and now lives in our heart because of the Holy Spirit. Amen. It's the power of the Holy Spirit, folks, that'll bring us together. No agenda, no political agenda, economic agenda, or any other kind of agenda will ever bring us together. Only one the cross. Paul, except we repent, we'll all likewise perish. All of us are born sinners, and all of us must repent and be born again. I like what Paul said in a lot of places. But my, one of my all-time favorites, Philippians 1.21 I bet most of you can finish it for me. For me to live is what? Is Christ. For me to live, who was he? He said, I'm going to tell you. For me to live is Christ. And then what did he say? And to die is gain. Galatians 5.25. He wrote, if we live in the spirit, let us also walk. In the spirit. Is that the way you're walking today? Luke, the author of Acts, was the supreme example of trying to bring the Jew and the Gentiles together. When you read through his book, you'll see him trying to get the men to love the women, the women to love the men, the young and the old, trying to get them together, the rich and the poor, trying to get them together, the educated, the non-educated, trying to get them together. That's what he did over and over again, trying to get them together, trying to get them together, trying to get them together. Why? Because all through history, we see wars, rumors of wars, flesh against flesh. But the good news is Acts 1-8, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And then you'll be witnesses unto me in your city, in your state, in your nation, and in your world. The only way possible 
To get the people of God in one accord is to get the people of God to humble themselves and invite the Holy Spirit to take over their marriage, their family, their church, their city, their state, and their nation. Only way. The only way. But there's good news in the text. You shall receive power. There's one answer. There's no other name given among men whereby we must be saved other than the name of Jesus. There's no name given that will bring power to anyone other than Holy Spirit. Not just Spirit, but Holy Spirit. There are some things that can only be accomplished by the power and the presence of God. You know some examples? Salvation is one. Creation is another one. Can you imagine what the world would look like if it was created by any group of folks that you know? Vance Havner used to say years ago that a, that a, a camel was a horse that was put together by a church committee. <laughs> now, the Bible says there's no other way the world could have been created other than God created, and all the scientists trying to figure it out. And isn't it funny? It just sometimes gets absolutely ridiculous what they come up with. You'd think by now, as smart as they are, they'd have figured it out. And now it's, I don't know, I don't know, but the theory is this, the theory is all I know is it's not the Bible. That's the only thing I know. I know in the beginning God didn't create it. That's all I know. Well, who taught you that? You didn't just think that up. Some atheistic professor taught you that. Who taught it to him? Some atheistic professor. Because they're in trouble. If God's right and they're wrong, they're in a heap of trouble. And it's not the creation problem, it's the sin problem. Because if there's no other name given among men whereby you must be saved other than the name of Jesus, you're in trouble if you don't know that name. Because the Bible says the day will come when at the name of Jesus every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Now, that doesn't sound very good on the college campus. And that can get you fired, I'm sure, in a lot of colleges. But there's one thing true, and that is Jesus is Lord. None of us can look around and not admit the world is in a mess. If it's not God's way, when he said, I am the way, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. He said, I don't believe that. But what, what, what other way? Show me another way that's making progress. Show me anything that would indicate to you, to me, that things are getting better and better and better. Whenever you read over in the ninth chapter of Luke, there's all kinds of arguments that, that he had to deal with then. When he writes Acts, he kind of deals with that here, I think. Over the ninth chapter, they were arguing about the disciples, which one was the greatest. Remember that, that day? Which one's the greatest among us, you know? Three of them voted. They voted one, one, one. <laughs> so they had a problem. Second, John attempted to stop the ministry of those, uh, the, the apostle John, that weren't doing things the way that, that he thought they ought to do it. So Luke dealt with that in the 50th verse, 49 and 50. Then thirdly, 
James and John are ready to call down fire from heaven and destroy all the Samaritans, just wipe them off. That's Luke 9, 51 to 55. But only God can bring us into one accord. Only God can put us in one. None of the other things would work. But on the day of Pentecost, it was introduced on that day away. The power of the Holy Spirit. They did not try to ignore their differences. They didn't try to deny their differences. But what they said was, we're going to find a way to bring things together. The cross brought the world together for salvation. The day of Pentecost brought the world together as to how the church can be the church. You notice what the interesting thing, there's lots of theology that comes out of the thing about the speaking in tongues. They spoke in other languages. Everybody heard in their own language. You see, there had to be a way on Pentecost for them to communicate. There was one truth and they had to communicate that truth and they all spoke different languages. So we got to find some way to bring people to where they can talk a common language. And so it happened here. Now we still are working on that. How can we communicate one with another? But the people saw living proof on that day that they could communicate in the power of the Holy Spirit. A person over here on their knees praying and a person over here on their knees praying and this one praying, God, help me to make things right with this one and this one praying the same thing, help me make things right with this one. The power of God comes together and that's what brings marriages back together. That's what brings cultures back together. When you admit you've sinned, and you want to see things worked out, then you come into that mutual submission to say, Speak, Lord, thy servant is listening. Only God can bring us into one accord. And on that day, the day of Pentecost, the church changed its strategy. And it did not go on doing it this way or the highway, they came together and they said, this will be what we will do. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit will be preached to Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost part of the world. And we will all come to that moment that we don't deny our differences because they're obvious we can do nothing about our past, but we can do everything about our future. But God chose a church to be the place. He, he did not in any place tell us that it would come from government, from the business world, from the entertainment world, from the sports world, from the music world, or for any other world you can name. He said the preaching of the gospel, the preaching of the cross is foolishness to those that perish. But into those that believe, it's the power of God unto salvation. Amen. That's the answer. That's the hope. 
Jesus is the hope. If you've got a marriage that's struggling, Jesus is the way. If you've got an addiction of sin in your life and you just can't overcome it. And I've talked to two people this week personally that have told me I've got an addiction in my life and I can't deal with it. And as we talked, we, we came to the conclusion the only answer is the blood of Christ that cleanses from all sin and turns darkness into light and failure into hope. And yet we say, but I don't want to bring my friend to church because you might talk about sin. And they don't want to hear that. They might, well, they might hear you talk about repentance. And they sure don't want to do that. Kind of hard to get a marriage back together when they decide to repent, won't it? But when you come to the cross and you learn how I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me, all of a sudden things begin to be different in every area of life, in every area of life. Some today are here watching and listening. Maybe you're listening by radio right now. And you're not a believer, and you would admit I'm not a believer and I can tell you why some of you are not. And that is because you know quite well people who say and claim to be believers, but they think like you, they act like you, they talk like you, and they yield to the same temptations you do. And you say, that's not for me. Some that are listening right now, you've attended or even been members of churches in your lifetime that had a congregation that stayed divided throughout all of its history. That's just your history in the church. I mean, when I was growing up, you couldn't see a better fight in 15 rounds than you could see at some church conferences on a Wednesday night. And they didn't even pass a plate on Wednesday night, so you could see it free if you wanted to come, all right? There's others of you, you have witnessed the arrogant, non-Christ-like attitude of those that differ with you on some issues that are very important to you right now because you live in the flesh and not in the spirit, and you have just cut off the Lord. You've heard so-called Christians damn the name of God rather than praise the name of God. And we wonder, what's happening to our churches? People aren't coming like they used to. Must be the music. No, I think it's the parking. I'm not sure, but I've, I've got a reason. I don't know what it is, but I've got a reason. I've just given you some of the reasons. We've got to humble ourselves and pray and seek God's face and turn from our wicked ways. Then we'll hear from heaven. God will forgive our sin, and he'll bring power back into his church. And you know what? If the church has revival, the nation's going to change. There's no question that what we do at the polls in our voting is simply because of the apathetical church. If the people that 70%, did you hear that a while ago? 70% claim to, that'll win most any election you ever heard of. But those 70% are just saying, well, I don't know, you know, I just don't know what we're going to do about this, you know. I'm not, I just, you know, I'm, I'm kind of can't get out and vote anymore, you know. I used to do that, but I'm just going to let everybody else do that. No, no, no. We've got to get ourselves right with God. Right. You need to find a church where God is. And if it's not this one, you need to find another one. Because if God's not here, we're wasting our time. But if God is here, you don't want to miss it. You don't want to go out there because the world, oh, world has nothing to offer. Nothing. 
But God's got everything to offer in this life as well as in the life to come. At Pentecost, a new group of believers began to be formed. And look what happened. In verse 41, they gladly received his word and they were baptized. And the same day, 3,000 people were added to the 120 in one day. They were baptized. Why? In order to get saved? No. But because they were saved, they were ready to start telling the world, I am dead, I am buried with Christ in baptism unto death, and I am raised to walk a brand new life. For a true believer, who am I? A child of the king, a blood-bought child of God trumps all other identities. People from every race, every nation, every background can come to the cross and through the power of the Holy Spirit can become one in Christ. Heaven will be one. Why not have a little heaven on the way to heaven and be one? But we have to agree that we'll do it God's way. And if our primary identity is not, I'm a child of the king. If Exodus 23, you shall have no other gods before me, is not true, in your life there is no hope. Well, what brings the Holy Spirit? Wait till next week. But I'll let you study on it. One thing, prayer. The one thing the church is weakest in is what it's got to become the strongest in if the Holy Spirit is going to ever show back up to his church.